To become the Avatar, you must master all four elements. Earth, fire, water, and... Casey, you've done it. I did it! baby where we talk nerdy to you baby and farts yep and farts don't worry i've got the bending supply on all the farts we have discovered through our watch through of avatar the last airbender my second casey's first that he is a fart bender yep (laughs) (laughs) thanks for listening everybody (laughs) that is it that is our entire review yep all right let's uh well i mean did you what? Let's go into this. What? Did what, what? 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 When did you first start watching Avatar: The Last Airbender? When it first started airing, way back when. Yep, I missed. Like I think by the time I caught on, it was already in its second or maybe the third season even. And I like to watch things from the beginning. You do. So technically, I've seen it one and a half times. Because I've seen, I saw it, the first part of it when it was first airing. And it somehow lost it. And then watched all of it again later in life. So now two and a half times. Math. <laughs> <laughs> so, two and a half times. Math. Ish, yeah. Nice. It wasn't something that I ever actively avoided it it was just something that i didn't you know i wanted to see from the beginning did we finally find something where you were just like i just never got to it since we seem to always come to me wow my how the turntables (sighs) so avatar yeah uh it's real good it is real good so you got to really experience all of the hype around it before actually experiencing the show do you think that influenced your watch through? Do you think it lived up to the hype? Do you disagree? What are your thoughts? Because well, I feel like that's more interesting than me being like, I liked it again. So many options. No, let's let's talk for an hour about why you like it again. Just <laughs> say everything that you feel about it, but twice. twice. <laughs> Two and a half times. I like it. I like it. I let. There you have it. <laughs> It's a bit shorter than I was expecting. Not something we typically do on these episodes. No. But yeah, so for me, uh, I mean, it definitely lives up to the hype for me. Like, super solid. I'd probably give it a 10 out of 10. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a reason why people love it. Uh, Yeah, like, it's real good, and it teaches kids real good stuff. (laughs) Oh, yeah? Yeah. Wow, what (laughs) in-depth... The... The Cartoon Center for Kids Who Can't Read Good. It's a Zoolander thing. Okay. She's looking at me like I'm an idiot, but it's okay. People out there, the corner of the world who has seen Zoolander will understand why I said it that way. Okay. I only know Blue Steel. Trust and believe. 
Blue Steel? Isn't that the face that he makes? Oh, okay. I was like, I was thinking it made me think of Blue Streak, which is a Martin Lawrence movie. No, the one thing I know about Zoolander, do not invalidate me. The one thing I know about Zoolander is his face is called the Blue Steel. That's and right. the reason I know that is Supernatural. Bringing it all back together. Which Supernatural is a TV show, which is on Warner Brothers, which is a channel on TV that Nickelodeon also is where Avatar is from. I couldn't. Wow. I couldn't bring those two together like as as well as I. Wow. I hoped. So did it? Unless Mae Whitman Whitman was on. I don't think so. Gilmore Girls, or anything like that. No. I feel like the easy thing to connect them to is Mae Whitman. Whitman. No. Let's try this again. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I like it a lot. I think that they do a really great job with writing. Uh, it's there's it's funny. There's a lot of heart to it. It's a D&D party. Pretty much, yeah. Like straight up. Uh, and everybody, I, I was watching a, a kind of a review and I like, look back at it. And they were like, is there any character, a question that was asked to them was like, is there any character that you feel like didn't, that was left unresolved or, you know, was underrated? And honestly, for the most part, I feel like the characters all got their due diligence. Even like side characters, you yeah. get a, a decent sense of where they're, where they're at and where they're headed. And in the last couple of episodes, they really do do a loop around of, remember this person? Yeah. Even the Cabbage Man has his full arc of my cabbages all the way to, ah, forget it. Well, also to, I'm going to tell my story to these people who will make an awful play. Yeah. Because <laughs> that was one of the their sources. Yeah. was a cabbage merchant. Yep. So it's so, all full circle. It is. And I also think. Much they, like the balls that Aang rides on. It's true. But I do think they do a good job of balancing between being, like, a kid's program and having, like, really intense things that you have to kind of think through. Because it has, like, especially in the earlier episodes, it grows kind of, it grows up through the books. Let's bring it all around and start from the beginning. Season one. Yes. Where Zuko just has a ponytail. That era. (laughs) Uh, yep. Uh, Okay. So, season one is book one, water. 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 We start with the Southern Water Tribe. Thank you for your input. You're welcome. Uh, we don't, we won't go, like, episode by episode, but... No, but, like, it... What we learned, which I guess we will get into after we go through the seasons, is that it does a really good job of kind of showing you the world. Yeah, and... You get a sense of who the characters are right away. I mean, I wasn't the biggest fan of Sokka at first. I feel like a lot of that's a lot of people though, because well, yeah, because they say like that his attitude, that side of his attitude gets literally beaten out of him. Yeah, which is like he's a wisecracker and he stays that way, but he kind of grows from being like a bit of a a jerk and. Kind of. He's he's not a misogynist, but he's but he's definitely like, you know, stuck in gender roles. Yeah, and you know that seemed to have been. We don't see a. We don't really see that from 
their dad, but it you seems know, to be in their taught. tribe. Yeah, yeah, or ingrained in him. Um, and so, yeah, at first I was just kind of like, eh, I don't, I don't know about the soccer kid. But then he was funny and started helping, and because since he doesn't, he's the only non-vendor in yeah. our main party. Right, and so you know he has to find other ways to that he knows how to contribute, which I think the one of the reasons I like him a lot as it goes on is that he learns that he's actually a really good strategist. He is. And even in the early episodes, they the the team kind of comes up with a plan. You know, Aang and Katara might say, let's let's do this. And Sokka's like, hold on, hold on. We don't know all this stuff yet. That's a little bit too reckless. We should try this. And so he quickly learns to he's an ideas guy which i respect a lot (laughs) he also is a pretty good judge of character because when they meet people like jet he's able to kind of not be overly charmed over by those uh those wise cracking dudes just like he is and he's able to really spot you know trouble and he like you said he's an ideas guy he comes up with the ideas for submarines and like he's not he's a good leader He's not necessarily the small details guy because he does better with wide scope ideas and planning, but he's he's essential to this party. Like I would assume after all this that he becomes a general in some sort because even you know at his young age he was doing some pretty solid battle plans, and so yeah. you know I, I just see him as as a strategic leader. And then he gets to meet the Kyoshi warriors. And it's like, I'm in love for good <laughs> because Suki is amazing. But also, you know, he wants to find his place and he wants to also, like, I think you see him struggle with the fact that you see Katara learn and master her waterbending. You see Aang learn and master his elements. Toph is like a master of her things and Zuko is also the same. And he wants to feel... I feel like he wants to live up to that and kind of find his footing with all of it. And so he goes and becomes like a swordsmaster. And like, I know people love his boomerang, but he does like earn his place. Like he was always worthy of that place, but I felt he felt he needed to earn it. And, and you get like, to kind of see him do that. And it's like, I get it. He is, you know, he's the Avengers. He's one of the Avengers that doesn't have superpowers. Yep. So he has to find a way to deal with that for himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so another thing we get early on is, I mean, right away, as soon as Aang and Appa get thawed, we get, you know, some Fire Nation attack. Um, and so, you know, th- there were a couple of things going into this that I knew and, you know, kind of expected, which... One of the like one of the big ones I was that I knew that Zuko would end up being a good guy. Yep. Um, but they hint that spoilers, ish. I mean, yeah, they they hint at that pretty early on. Um, they hint that he's like a conflicted character. Yeah, but you that's why you have Iroh there, who I knew was like a fan favorite, and for great reasons. Uh, but you know. Having a character like that constantly around, I think that was a quick sign of like, there's going to be something with this kid 
because he has this voice of reason and like you can't i don't think you can be around Iro that long and have that much of an influence by him and remain a terrible person well it's that and it's also they use uh iro as a way for us to see zuko differently not even to just like imply that zuko is worthy of that but iro the whole time sees something in him and we're kind of instructed by story and by the way that Zuko responds to certain things when he's a, with Iroh, that there is another layer that we're not seeing. And we see it in his moments with his uncle and also like the couple times he rescues Aang from other happenstances that aren't his cause. But we're shown through Iroh who we are like introduced to as someone who's a gentle, caring spirit. Like, we know he has a past because he's part of the Fire Nation and he's a general and all this kind of stuff. But we're introduced to him as a person who cares about the greater good and has The kind greater of good. Bull. And so we see through him that there must be something else to Zuko that we're not seeing yet. I think another thing about that, and it's not something that, you know, because it's still a kid's show... At the end of the day, it's easy to forget that, but it is still a kid's show and something that a kid watching may not realize, but it's something that as an adult, you definitely realize, which is how um, susceptible and how um, wary younger people are to things around them. Um, And so it's, you know, the nature versus nurture kind of thing and so i think another thing that the show is trying to get across and that they do over the course of the seasons is like hey look even somebody who came from a bad place with bad parents and and just everything stacked against him or i guess in favor of him being evil Mm -hmm. or just you know not a good person even with that being constantly shown kindness and everything can still win people over, especially uh, impressionable is the word I was looking for. You know, they are still very young people and are impressionable in so many ways. That's why, like, in almost every episode, there is something that affects the character. And that's, um, that's something that I really like about another show that we plan to review uh, later on down the line once I've finished it because it's another one that you've seen which is Battlestar Galactica yeah I really like when characters are presented with something and from the start of the episode to the end of the episode there's a change well it's it's and it's it's, just good writing so one thing that Casey and I have been doing together is listening to the writing series from Brandon Sanderson and what Avatar is and it's not the talk that talks about Avatar that I'm going through, but what Avatar is, is a character story told in fantasy. And what I mean by that is like every piece of the universe that we learn about in Avatar The Last Airbender is built to serve the character story. So it's structured in a way that Aang's whole character journey lets us explore this whole world because his whole thing is that he must learn all the elements and he has to struggle with each weakness 
of each of those elements. And similarly with like Katara and the bloodbending and Sokka and dealing with like finding his way as a leader and planning and all that, every storyline we get is made to build upon something that the character is. And so that type of storytelling is really strong and also really great for kids because it introduces them to fantasy without being overwhelming. But yeah. It's my favorite type of storytelling because I like characters and plot. And when they you mesh the two together, I think you that's where you get really immersive and that's where you find that you're really invested in characters. Yeah, and you know, again, like D&D, it sort of unfolds as the characters literally travel Mm -hmm. and so it's it's like literally uncovering the fog of war Mm -hmm. so as they go the further they go the more we see uh and and i like that especially in a sort of epic scope kind of way and we only know really as much as the characters know like we know a little bit more than our core cast of the the ang gang or whatever you want to call them the gang (laughs) Um, because we also follow Zuko, but for the most part, we don't follow outside of those characters. So we don't really know everything that's going on, which I think really works and also goes along with the idea that it's a, a kid show. It's these younger people responding to these horrible things that are happening and trying to figure out what type of person they want to be. Like that's Aang's also and Katara, and, like, pretty much everybody's. And, and Toph. Yep. And it's, like, what type of person do they want to be? Toph wants to break out of the prison that she's been in of, you know, a proper lady because that's not who she feels she is. Like, she's, she likes those things, which you see when, like, she and Katara explore their friendship together, which I think sometimes is also really resistant because Katara kind of represents all the things that she was trying to escape because she associates them with like being stuck and being bad but you know they find their grounding in that and katara for being like not necessarily our good character because i feel like ang is technically supposed to be our pure innocent character but she's supposed to be like our moral character like our moral through line which they make fun of in that play episode also um she even has to test her own morals when it comes to, like, the bloodbending and facing the person who killed her mother and all that. She has to struggle to figure out whether or not who she started as and who she keeps talking, like, thinking of herself as is who she is. And I find that really interesting. So season two. <laughs> Sorry, I I kind of expanded upon it. Yeah, uh, so... So season one is a pretty big exploration of taking them from innocent bystanders to a part of the fight yeah and so there there is one thing that you know if if i had to nitpick one of the the little things is um how in the early episodes katara can do very minimal water bending mm-hmm. and then i mean she has some training and stuff but she quickly, like, she gets a, she, one of her quests, one of the episode quests, gives her a ton of XP, and she levels up really quickly. It's implied, I think, just by the nature of how they go through training montages outside of Aang, 
is that they spend a decent amount of time at the North Pole with her doing all that. Because they also, their relationship with Paku, the, the waterbending teacher, blossoms and changes very rapidly. So I think it's just supposed, and I think it's in like the dialogue around it. That the amount yeah, of mean, time they spend there is I, 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 I don't mean that it's completely absent. It just, like, everyone else kind of was either already developed or, you know, Aang is developing and, and has his avatar natural ability. Uh, and so I felt like it was just one of the one of the very few things that were uh, felt a little sped through for me. I think I, surprisingly, I think I disagree. Because I don't think... I think Toth being so good at a young age, it shows that it's just depends on your grasp. I don't. I don't mean like her capability. I totally buy that and can see it. And adding on to the fact that she's the only one in her tribe that is a waterbender, like that all adds up to it. I just think, like for me, in a in a, in a pacing way, uh, she got a little jumped. Her 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 process got a little bit sped up maybe, compared but to I, the others. That's maybe. just how I felt. Yeah, maybe. When you see the flashbacks of Toph being lost to where she is when we meet her, it doesn't feel like that long of a span of time. And that might just be the drawing style. But the other thing is, I don't feel like Aang's natural ability as an avatar is different from a natural ability of a bender. It just spreads to all bending versus one and i don't know i i feel like the way they set up katara's character and her like work ethic and like learning abilities because you see a pretty decent growth between like even before that from where she was when we meet her in the water tribe which is just kind of like moving the water back and forth to where she gets later on i think it's implied that she takes a lot of that time to grow and learn i just don't think we spend time with her doing it because our story is supposed to be about ang's journey i know and and so that's that's kind of adding on to how i feel i just that was just there was just one little gap like every we get to see everyone um go from level one to 20 or at least when they get to level 20 by the by the end um I don't know. I, I w- I'm not. I'm not. I know. Like I'm not I would say against to- Katara in any sort of way. I know. In fact, I, I would. I'm for her. I'm just saying. I felt like that was one part where it got fast forward just a little bit. To that did you was- feel? And this is more of like me wondering about story and set. Did you feel that way about the episode with Sokka and his sword? Uh. No, not not really, because he, because uh, it's pretty much the same. Yeah, it's just I guess because it wasn't it wasn't uh, bending related. It just I don't know. I feel like in that case, it he got the some time to train and was already pretty good, but it it, it was maybe a little bit rushed. But I think the difference between that and with Katara is that uh, we'd already seen a lot of skills from Sokka and with Katara it was just kind of you know the easy learning stuff and then it it just felt a bit of a jump just because it was like okay we got to get to the part with 
her and her fighting against her teacher. And it was just, it was very mild, doesn't detract at all, but it was just the one spot where I felt it was a little clunky because it was just like, I don't know. I feel like we get we get time with a lot of the other characters, and that was one spot where I was like, okay, but I just wanted just a little bit more with time with Katara. Agree to disagree. Okay. I mean, we don't have to agree on everything. Oh, no. But, like, I think we don't actually, like, for me, this is not meant to be a debate. For me, I, I don't feel like we actually spend time with Toph and Zuko. Like, we meet them, they know their stuff. The people that we see learn and grow in a in a fighting technical way, like, we get Toph learning metal bending, or creating metal bending, and we get Zuko learning about lightning. But for the most part, they're already, like, a quote-unquote master of their element. Katara has her growth into a waterbender, like a master of waterbending, and Sokka has his fighting. And I feel like their pacing, while flipped, sort of, we get slow path Sokka, sped up Sokka, where we get Katara a little sped up and then more kind of slow path, is like, I don't know. I I think it's just by the nature of needing to be about Aang, but agree to disagree. Okay. I mean, like I said, we don't have to agree on everything. In fact, we don't hear on Talk Nerdy to Me Baby. But that was just one thing that I wasn't planning to, like, take a whole section of talking. It was just one little area where I was like, I mean, you know, if I I feel like we don't get enough time with Toph in general. But that's just me. But that, you know, it's a little bit of my bias for those characters showing because I like them so much. Um, But, you know, any gripe I have with the shows over the whole overall is very minuscule yeah and i wasn't trying to like nitpick either it was just interesting because i felt that way more so when we hit Sokka and his sword training i and like i think i think that could have been the placing of it which made it a little bit more okay for me just because they had gone through like a bunch of battles and stuff um whereas the Katara thing was a bit earlier on. I don't mean to like keep going back, but we keep going back to that. I, I know. We don't agree. Season three. <laughs> we didn't talk about season two. Well. We find Toph. Tough. Tough. Uh, so this is where we get uh, a little bit more into the political intrigue. Yeah. I feel well, like. Because we, we enter into the Earth Kingdom, which has been under many different invasions and occupations by the fire nation well okay we we also didn't really go into um the end of season one i think we should briefly mention like the whole thing with ua and the the moon spirit and it's sad okay now we did (laughs) (laughs) it's sad and we also get like our first major thing of ang in the avatar state yeah uh but i i think uh, a big thing with that is you know there is death in, yeah. in this kid's show. I mean, you know, it, it's... I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that was one of the 
first instances of us actually seeing it yeah versus being told about it uh but actually seeing something happen and, and seeing ua sacrifice herself and and all of that mm -hmm. and so to me that was just a moment of like eh, i mean it's a kid show but but dang it, it's got some some really tough stuff not yeah. that there weren't, you know, episodes before that that had some no, but it heavy it, themes, it but... kind of more implies the direction the show was going to take. Yeah. I think I think I think it was the heaviest moment for me at that point. Yeah, I can for see me, that for me. I was just like, oh dang. Uh, but yeah, so season two we we get to Toph, which I also knew I didn't really know much about. Just seeing her, I was like, I'm pretty sure she's blind, and like uses, you know, vibrations and stuff. I I didn't really know anything about it until I saw her episode, which to me, her introduction episode is one of my it's awesome great favorites. Like it, she is a force of nature. It's Literally. definitely my top five, uh, easily. But yeah, I I just I became attached to her immediately, um, and yeah, again, like I, I think I would have liked to see more with her. You know, later they have like. Everyone else, at least she calls stuff out because she's like, everyone else gets their life-changing trip with Zuko. What about me? And hers was just depressing. Yeah. I mean, I think it's by nature of the fact that for the most part, through like she gets her moments and a lot of them are more with Katara or Aang. More so, though she does have some really good ones with Sokka. They're usually smaller because they're not, they're emotional journey based. And a lot of her stuff just tends to be in the smaller B-plots. Yeah. I mean, and it does make sense because, you know, Zuko has everything with his family and that sort of overarching thing. Um, Zuko, uh, not Zuko, uh, Katara and Sokka have their whole journey with Aang, with everyone else trying to, you know, help. And, like, they're, they're very much uh, involved. Mm -hmm. It's like... Well, I wasn't going to get involved. Now I'm very involved. Like, they, they are an intricate plot uh, or intricate part of the, the plot. And then Aang, of course, with his journey of the elements and mm -hmm. eventually leading to, to Sozin. And so, like you said, since her is, is emotional based, there's not... Uh, her arc is a bit smaller. Yeah. And, and that's okay. Like, no one... Not everyone needs the gigantic sweeping arc. No, uh, it's... A good way of showing that like you can become a fan favorite character through even when you're not one of the main 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 characters yeah because i would argue that there's tiers of characters and i would actually put ang and zuko and katara probably and then sokka and then toff and then everyone else yeah Maybe not everyone else, but like yeah, it, the layers like the, start going down. Yeah, you get to like your your Iroh and then your main Tylee and, and Azula Suki. and Suki. Yeah, yep. but like I think Toph is more important than all of our B plot characters. But I think the way that they wrote out her story, she ends up being at the lower tier. Yeah. Not in importance and none of that, but in like involvement in story plot moving forward. Yeah, I think and you know She uh, creates my own ending. She is like she's a great character, I think. Uh 
yeah, she's just one that, you know, we don't, I, we don't necessarily need all of that. I just like, it, she's just a character I was like spending time well, with. Well, it's more like she's the only one who, like, Aang is Aang. And so his entire being is driven by what the plot is going through. And that's why the overarching plot of the entire show is his character journey. With Zuko, Katara, and Sokka, it's all personal in that their families are all deeply involved in this war. And Zuko has, like, his dad is the big bad. That's a different plot. But, like, you have Katara and Sokka dealing with the loss of their mother. And the whole first season is both tribes, which is all about them. And then you also have the involvement with their dad and all that. What you're missing with Toph is family involvement. Like, she doesn't have that link to it that pretty much everyone else does. But is there anything else that season two related that you think is big? Uh, We get introduced, really, to Fire Lord Lord Ozai. Yeah, we get get, uh, a lot of... Oh, I think earlier I said said Sozin when I met Ozai. Sozin's Comet. Yeah, but... Yeah, I, I know the difference between the two. I just sometimes think the wrong word. I feel like... I think that might actually be because I feel like the name, the or the name Sozin is actually used more than Ozai because he's mostly just referred to as the Fire Lord. So sometimes my brain messes Maybe. up. Well, Sozin is just because Sozin's comment is referred to a lot. We actually don't hear about Sozin himself until... I know. I, I think I just mean like bec- my brain is like, oh, this is the name we hear more. This is the important, like, you yeah. know. I think it's just my my brain plays tricks on me sometimes with the name because sometimes I forget that he has a name other than the Fire Lord or dear God the Phoenix King. Ugh. Uh, but I I guess the other the only other thing with with season two I want to brush on is well a couple of quick things is like the library is one of my favorite episodes. That was really good. That's a really good episode and has like a lot of consequences and it's really tough because watching Toph like try to keep everyone alive and in doing so we lose Appa for a while. And the episode that I refused to rewatch that came after. Yeah. Uh a little bit later because it's Yeah, yeah. That came later. Yeah. But you know But it's the direct consequence of that. Yeah, so it was it was interesting to see them go less from like episode to episode to like there was like a mini arc mm-hmm. sort of thing going on and you know I think you start seeing the overarching plots and like it is a show that has repercussions. It was a double rainbow, I think, because there's that little tiny rainbow underneath the big rainbow. Yep. Is what I mean. But like there's a lot of really good episodes in there. Uh, But we get into like the Ba Sing Se stuff. Ba Sing Se. Which is. There is no war in Ba Sing Se. Which is probably one of my favorite arcs. Mm Mm-hmm. Is just as far as that goes. It's very interesting. Brainwashing and anything to do with that is very interesting. Um, it's also where we get to see uh, Zuko, like, the really turn, I think, in some of Zuko's Yeah, like, right around line, there. I where think, he saves Appa. I think it's a little bit before that is, like, the epi- the Western episode that's just Zuko. Oh, yeah. With the kid? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, you know, them playing... Season two is where they started playing a bit more with structure to the episodes, uh, which which I liked. But yeah, I just think that that was one of the the better arcs. And, you know, there's political intrigue and then there's just like they 
it gets really heavy like especially the season two finale with azula and like um, almost killing ang yeah that's and Az- then azula zuko, is a really cool character zuko kind of throwing away his shot <laughs> yeah it's zuko that was the point in which i feel like you started like being like why does everyone like zuko yeah Stop let's, trying to make Zuko happen. Zuko's never gonna happen. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I said that at one point. And let's 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 be right here. I like Zuko a lot. I think he's great. Uh, I think Dante Basco did a great job voicing him. His over like his plot and his like character. Journey. It's all really really good, and you know, and part of that and in tandem with that is Uncle Iroh, who I think is a glorious character and a glorious human human. I just uh, went, I thought you were going to say a bomb-ass character. I mean, he is. Yeah. He straight up is. Uh, but, yeah, I'm just like... I, and we talked about how, like, you know, since I... And maybe that is part of because I knew it was going to happen. Yeah. Um, I... There, there was a point, and it was mostly after the end of season two, where I was just like, man, like, I feel like they're taking too long with this Zuko crap. You know, I, I just part of me was just like, man, I wish we could have gotten this sooner because we only get him as part of the group group for like the last handful of episodes. I do think that that's partly knowing that that was going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and so I can admit that and see that. But I'm just like, maybe a little bit. I don't know. I think I just I really liked the idea of, you know, having all of the benders and Asaka in the group. Yep. Uh, and so, to me, that was like in a video game, getting unlocking all the characters. Let's get the game back together. In D and D, having a full party and not one of them missing for a few sessions. Yeah. Or most of the campaign. Uh, but you know, everyone's there, and so from a from a role playing soft soul, I was just like, I wanted more episodes with the whole party. Yeah. Uh, and you know. I get, everything makes sense and I'm not saying I can write this any better than they did because like the writing in the show, just the writing alone is phenomenal. It's uh, really good. And then you throw in some like crazy awesome fights with stakes and, and like some really emotional, like hard hitting gut punches. Yeah. So that punch you in the gut. Oh, is that what they do? Yeah. Is that what gut punches do? They do. Uh, oh, okay. I just have to throw out one of my, two of my favorite parts in the whole the show. The physical comedy? The physical comedy. When Aang sneezes and just hits Appa and just face plants, it's like, it was hilarious. And then the first time we that Sokka goes up against Ty Lee, and she just nedges him with all the pressure points. And he's like, and he tries to hit her again. Like, there's a lot of really funny physical comedy in the show the physical comedy and the foley work that go with it yeah there's some like ed ed netty moments with yeah. with the sounds uh but, but they yeah. always they don't seem out of place in a in a show that's so not that no and like it could very easily just be like okay you're doing it's a kitchen and just like make super lame stuff but like all that stuff is really funny the giant goo goo eyes of ang mm-hmm. and like just the over-the-top like, I think Aang, more than most characters, except Sokka might be second place, 
gets a lot of what I call the anime faces. Yeah. He he definitely gets the it, anime faces, which is always I funny mean, part me. of the thing that I think helps, and I think it's interesting to look over the course of the show as a whole, is, like, Aang starts as what this, like, carefree kid, and you get a lot more of those anime faces. And they, they get fewer and further between as you see the weight of his responsibility just, like, linger on him. And yet, he doesn't feel super mopey to me. No. And, you know... I I see a lot of myself in Aang and like one of the things I I noticed and appreciated about the character, but also again the writing of his character is that his ability to bounce back mm-hmm. from stuff is really admirable and like, you know, he takes his time to deal with things and and everything, but as soon as he can, he's back to his normal self and But he's you know, also like, his character growth is amazing, but as we get into season three, like, his choice between being true to himself or doing what people tell him is his duty. Yeah, and all of this, like, almost the entire third season, behind enemy lines, pretty much, mm-hmm. in the Fire Nation itself. It is book two, Fire. Book three, Fire. Man. Book two is Earth. <laughs> Man, it's been a long day. <laughs> uh... But yeah, so they, that just, they did a really good job of that, just adding them to all of the tension. Because right away, it they're put in a situation where they have to blend in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Aang has to cover up his arrows. And uh, Katara has to tie her hair differently. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the, and she, I really, really like that moment about it's a small thing, but they're like, you need to hide that necklace. Yeah. And so that was like a big thing for her. And I, her I mother's necklace. Yeah, I I just wanna acknowledge the the acting in the show for a little bit. Now before I get into that, I wanna say like, you know, the I think nowadays and you know, maybe it shouldn't have been handled the way it was in a lot of ways. You know, I get there are mostly white actors playing what are pretty much Asian roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, that that's definitely tricky. And, you know, I, I think in a lot of, in, in those roles, they probably should have gone with uh, a character fitting of that just because, you know, like people get all the roles and all that stuff. And so like, I do see that. And there is a, that, that bit in the back of my mind. Um, and so, I, I guess my way of dealing with that and thinking about it is just like, well, you know, if they do it now or continue now, you know, they shouldn't do that. But um, I'm also not going to, because it's such a good show and there's so many people that love it and, and take so much from it. Like, I'm not going to complain about what I got, you know, because it, it's still. It's also, I think you can see a lot of support for the show in its, um, what non-exploitative storytelling it it does a really good job from what i understand and what i've seen from like people who are not not white and people who are of the descent that is depicted like eastern asian Mm -hmm. and all that um say that they did a good job and give the show like not everyone and it's different for every person but overall like an okay like, it's not a pass because, like, there's the acknowledgement of, like, 
you probably should have done this. But they give the show as a whole okay. Yeah. And so, I, I don't know, I just wanted to bring that up and say, like, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I totally see it. And, you know, there there's a lot of really great acting in there. Uh, but it's something that I, you know, I, I just yep. couldn't Cora has it. the same problem. Yeah. So. And so does the movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh boy. How you boy. But yeah. Uh, so, I mean, the, the third season gets a lot of, again, some more structure play and, and that sort of thing. But it's definitely the heavier episodes. But then there's a lot of like still really funny stuff in there. And, yeah. and you know, I, I think it's just more of that heart and more of that good storytelling and it's it like it doesn't lose what the heart of the show is which is like you know humor mixed with a lot of like hard-hitting storytelling it just takes it in a a a tonal shift because of the the seriousness of what's coming yeah i think they i mean in a lot of ways you could can like compare it with the whole the the series as a whole, but it's very similar to the MCU, mm-hmm. especially in the third season, which is the MCU movies. The reason why one of the reasons why they're so popular is that everyone is like it, it tackles a, a genre, mm-hmm. and we get a lot of that in season three. There's a horror episode with the puppet master, which yeah. has my one of my teachers, Stu Levin, in it. Yeah. Uh, Who's great? Uh, old Man Dig. Something like that, yeah. I think it was his name. But yeah. It's so Old have, Man something. Yeah. But you have a uh, horror movie. You've got a two-part prison break movie uh, and all that. So, like, you get all sorts yep. of different things uh, here and there. To, you you know, get keep a beach fresh. episode. You get a beach episode. Uh, I think... Is it early season three or end of season two with the, 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 the Breakfast Club or like the the teen movie with uh, May and Zuko and Ty Lee and Zula? It, it is season three because it's after. Yeah, it's well, after it's, he it's, went back with them. It's the beach episode. Well, there there's a, there's another one that's like them on the beach too. But that's sort of like the the start of. The, the beach with the party episode is actually the beginning of the finale when they're literally on the beach. Yeah. Uh, okay. I meant like that there's the beach stuff with the party and then it's a beach episode, but it's, you know, the, the Fire Nation kids. Yes. So it's still a beach episode. This, this show has more than one beach episode. Yes. One and a half. One and a quarter. We like halves in this show. Yeah. Uh but yeah, so you have like your teen teen drama there and you know. And I know like a lot of people Aaron your Aaron Carter Oh god, no. Party. <laughs> no, thank you. We don't need Aaron Carter here. Why is it okay, another thing I was thinking of. Why whenever I, someone throws a party when their parents aren't home, why is a vase or vase always broken? Because it's the most breakable thing usually in a house that people buy that are really expensive. It's also just funny. Yeah. I mean, anyway. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so like there's a lot of different genres. It's true. And it's just, it involves a lot of like 
wraparound and closing of parenthesis in plot that I really enjoy. You just get to see like the full arcs come to be and it does such a good job. And I know we haven't talked a lot about Azula, but Azula, like her descent into madness is really interesting. Like she's a very compelling character and just to see her completely like break because like, and, and it's sad. Like, she's a tragic character more so than she... Like, she's... Almost um, in, like, a Shakespearean way, except without actually dying. Yeah. Because, like, you know, she has been raised this way, and she has a mother that she just thinks thinks of her as a monster. And so she raises... Like, she grows up thinking, you know, the one person who should show me kindness, my mother, thinks I'm a monster, so I might as well be a monster. And my father, that's what makes him happy. Yeah, it's her behavior is very much encouraged. Yep. And then you see the way that she treats the people that she considers like her close friends and they turn on her and she's just like, she's left alone by her own means. Like she caused her own like isolation and loneliness. And then you have the the father, uh, Ozai, just like manipulate her into like, he does what's a, like an abuser tactic, which is, give the idea of what they want, which in this case is like her to like finally live up to his expectation and supplement it and screw it away so that they do what you need them to do by like making her quote unquote fire lord. And, you know, she finally gets this thing and now she, this is another thing that she needs to prove herself at and she gets rid of all of her support. Yeah. I think, like the again going back to the end of season two and seeing how she uh over the course of the season uh manipulates zuko and just yep. she she's all about mastering those mind games because that's what her father does yep. and you know she learned from one of the best as far as like the manipulation yep. and everything and uh you know she does all that with the goal of succeeding because she wants to succeed as Fire Lord, she wants to succeed uh, Ozai, where Zuko is next in line. Like she tries to manipulate her way around that mm-hmm. so that she can have it. And it's interesting watching her get. She does all that to get what she wants, and she does. Yeah. And and the well, sort but, of because she wants her father's approval and she will never have it right so that like the next part of that what i was gonna say is like she gets all she gets what she was thought that she wanted and then to have you know what the trophy she, of like look dad look i'm th- this great lord now he's like oh i don't care because yep. his, his only care is his own glory yeah and whenever it was shown to her that she there that he doesn't care. It was just like, oh, like the the spiral downward just went to like Mach five. <laughs> yeah, the fight between her and Zuko is really cool because it's such a reflection of like their last time fighting. But which their last time fighting was all like big fight was also with when like they fight a number of times. But that fight is a parallel between the fight at the end of season two. Yeah. And it's interesting to see him choose to save Katara versus turn on Katara. And, like, by nature, like, everyone else in the gang and, like, see him hold true to that. 
because I think that shows the completion of his arc. Not coming to Aang, but being willing to sacrifice himself for the for other people. And yeah, and and so in a lot of ways, his this that decision in, this, in the second season causes him to be isolated and alone, mm-hmm. and literally without backup. And then in doing so, and at the end of like in the the finale, he gets he gets a teammate who helps him win and you know well it's it's more like his the end of him in season two where he kind of like betrayed the people who were gonna help him and like he betrayed Iroh and he like there's all that stuff that happened. It is the same journey that Azula was kind of on at the end of season three, except she lets go of herself and Zuko finds himself. Yeah. And so I just mean like it's really cool, uh, even from like a visual standpoint, that he gets rewarded by, you know, his his choice and his sacrifice. He gets a teammate, and it's like, yeah, like D and D, like you're back. You get another person to help fight. I don't know. Katara has joined the party. Yeah, like that sort of thing. It's there's it's video gaming in a lot of ways. Um, I know we've been going on for a while, uh, so. Just to wrap this part up, um, how do you feel about the end? The ending? Yeah. I like the ending. I know that there are a few people I've seen that aren't as happy with... Like, overall, people are always happy with the show. I know people who are disappointed by the final battle. I I actually really liked it a lot. Um, I think... You know, if you're talking specifically between Aang and, and Ozai, that I, is I could see just because there were other fights going on at the same time. But to me, I like that. And it, it's more so so the the slight and I say this because people still love it. Like they still like the thing. And I myself am fine and like I really enjoy the show and the final battle to me is just really cool. It it's the givenness not earnedness of the fight that i see people complain about which is you know we have that moment where azula pretty much uh paralyzes ang out of his avatar state and he gets it back and he gets like the knowledge of how to basically win that fight the way he wants via happenstance in that he dream walks to a lion turtle and the lion turtle gives him the answer that he needs to not kill Ozai. He happens to hit a rock in the right spot on his spine to give him back the avatar state. And people are like, it's a lot of happenstance. But then, by nature of that, I'm like, the show is a lot about choosing destiny and fate. And so, there are things that happen in this that are more or less fated. Like, Aang, they keep telling him his destiny is to defeat the Fire Lord. Well, If he hadn't frozen himself in a bubble and woken up exactly when he did, he probably would not have. Yeah. So, like, there are moments of things just happening. But I think enough story is earned that that doesn't detract from the rest of it. Yeah, I I don't think it was unearned at all. I think, in fact, it's, like, the how that fight ends, you know, some people, like, maybe the before stuff they didn't like as much. But to me, how the fight ends was the perfect way to do it because it's like yes it's where destiny and fate and all that sort of and choice all meet up at this one thing and it's like yes 
he can defeat the Fire Lord either way. Mm-hmm. But he was given the opportunity and the tools he needed to, to and choose the, how to do it. the wisdom, because mm-hmm. the wisdom is the correct word, of having that choice. Because that is something that he strived for and eventually was able to get. And so, I don't know, I, I think it was the the best way to end that. Um, and so I, I really liked the, the whole ending. Um, I think part of me, just because I'm like, I want to know more, I want to know more, is like, I think I might have wanted to see a little bit of an epilogue, but I didn't necessarily need it. The the thing about it is you kind of get a little bit of epilogue once you start Legend of Korra. Yeah, uh, but I know like at the time, I don't think that was really planned. I don't, I don't know. remember. I don't know how much of that was planned. But... I mean, it, it was a while afterwards that Korra came out, so. Yeah, but, you know, as as an ending of a show, I think it's very satisfying. I think that it actually gives one of the storylines the best ending, which is not an ending, which is sort of a, a cliffhanger. The The only story that I feel like is left on somewhat of a cliffhanger or like there's more to it is Zuko being like, where's my mother? I, I just thought that was super cool. And I'm like, you know. And the you, only answer you can find is in one of the comics. Even so, like... Even if that was where it ended and we had no more after or no more nothing. Yep. I think that was a cool of like all the characters to have a, you know, a mission, an off screen mission. I thought that was really cool. Well, because it's a it's a driving force of his whole character. And so it makes a lot of sense that that's the big thing, because it's actually what drove him through a lot of his life. Yeah. And I I don't know. I it's always cool to have, you know, like the. there's potential journey afterwards. It also implies that um, the world is, it makes the world feel bigger because there are still other things left to do. Yeah. And I also like that, you know, it, it's never really even really brought up that Aang has to sacrifice himself in the final battle. And like, you know, destiny of like, there are so many avatars before you and each one of them has to die. This, like, I'm glad that there wasn't any of that. Nope. It's just like, yeah, there's there's an avatar at some point, you know, when after the last one dies and, you know, there's no rush. It's not like a, you know, a fate of like, an avatar only lives up to it, 50 years. It's not like, like a slayer, which slayers, yeah. when chosen, rarely live past their 16th birthday. Yeah, so like, I, I was really glad that, you know, if you're dipping into Destiny and stuff, that it didn't go that direction, because I was just like, that would have just made it a big eye roll yeah speaking of eye rolls we watched the movie ear rolls rolls and Um, let's talk about avatar the last arbender or (sighs) so since we finished the thing we watched the live action movie i expected to just be like this is dumb i got so annoyed by how much they just did not care i just i i was just no, I was like, I don't think I've ever seen a movie that's just so lifeless. It is. Especially and when compared to its source material that is... So full of life. Over, over poor, it's just overflowing with life. Like, I think I described it as a depressed movie in that, like, you feel depressed when you watch it, but the movie is also just depressed to be itself. The, the 
there's like no lighting in it. There's no lighting. Everything is dark, and the, all of the looks, jokes are gone. There's no yeah, like one of the one decision they're like yeah, this is a good decision is make Sokka just dull. Well, that and Aang is not happy ever. We get no sense of his like joy at all. Yeah, he's just super depressed. Katara is just super depressed. Katara is the most cardboard cutout version of a character. I don't know. She, I think so- Soka was pretty cardboard. Maybe. I mean, they were all white. <laughs> the implication of ha- recasting your main characters as white and then having your bad guys still stay not white yeah, is was... not good. That's problematic. This so just watching them try to cram the entire first season into like an hour and forty minutes was just. Also, watching them try to come up with the reason why the comet would be important, other than the fact that it just makes firebenders more powerful, and have it be that it means that firebenders can bend without having to have a source of fire. What stupid. <laughs> like, bar nothing else, why would you change that? Why would you change the fact that they can make fire? Yeah, I like it. We're just like, then just put out all the torches and don't use have any fire around. Right? They're useless. By doing that, they make it... Why? How could the Fire Nation have taken over anything? All you need to do is not have fire. Hey, I got this. They're coming at us. <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> then there's no way... The airbenders could have been wiped out by the fire no, benders. Because all they have to do is... Right? <laughs> and the waterbenders just go... And the earthbenders just go... go <laughs> <laughs> I think we're on something. Yeah, but like, it, it, to me, that completely eliminates any stakes. Because, like, even with their best thing, their, their firebending would not have been a thing. Like, they mentioned that they redo the part with the earthbenders that were captured on a boat because no land to be captured on land with fire pits but don't forget as you know zuko was banished because by his father the fire lord because of all of these things and let me point this out to you and explain it in great detail oh my god the exposition of that movie everything is the movie. It, it is the movie. I, I was I was trying to find a scene where it was like, let's talk about something other than the plot or just... Or the know. world building or why we should care about this. Yeah, there was not a single scene. Even the one with so- Soka and so- Yua. 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 Uh, they got me screwing up things. Uh, the Soka and Yua scene was them like... Here, let's have a romantic scene where we flirt with each other and establish our relationship by explaining to you what happened to me when I was a baby. Right. Does that make you in love with me now? It should. There is no scene that is not explaining what's happening or what you should know to understand what's happening. Like, there's no actual scene between characters that is acknowledging the characters themselves talking to each other. Why don't you have some narration about how you traveled with this person who you now call by name and then in the next scene what is your name person i've been traveling with for so long and then mispronounce it 
<laughs> like, listen, I understand. What is an like, avatar? There, there are certain sounds that aren't in like the Japanese language. There's no a sound; it's only the ah sound. And so, you know, if you were trying, if the point was to try and argue that, like, okay, this isn't probably how it would actually be announced, uh, pronounced. It doesn't really matter if that's the way the source material pronounced it. That and like, listen, are you expecting people to accept your answer over the answer of the thing that they like? Listen, <laughs> I come from a county. Okay, there's a tree August called a rowan tree, right? Yeah. You know what? A, you know you've heard of a rowan tree. Well, I come from the county of Rowan, and they're like. It should be Rowan. And it's like, you don't live there. You don't get to decide the pronunciation. And so I feel like the same thing with this. It's like, the Avatar. You don't get to decide it's the Avatar, which sounds dumber, by the way. You don't get to decide that when you didn't create it. Well, it's also like, there's only been one time in my Let's life. Let's go binge some store treak, you know? <laughs> but it's also, there's only been one time in my life where someone couldn't or wouldn't pronounce my name the way it was supposed to be pronounced, which is Amy. Because, like, and it wasn't that they couldn't. They wouldn't. And so they only called me Ami. And I'm like, but why? Uh, The first thing, I'm sorry, the first thing that popped in my head was Puffy Amy Yumi. (laughs) But, and I realize that's a very small blip on the people can't pronounce my name right scale. But it's but it was a whole movie of that. Yeah. And so it's just like, come on, man. You can't say you're a fan and then just not call it. And then it, and then that own bizarre choice was undermining itself because other people said Avatar and other people would like struggle to say. Uh, Avatar. Avatar. Yep. And Eero. Uncle Eero. Who's a liar. Yeah. His whole character is weird. Like, I don't understand. He's creepy. Oh, and uh, Zuko, I think you, you got a little smudge on your face. Oh, you mean just a my smudge. scar? Nothing, nothing character defining, just a little smudge. But do you also know that you must walk into every place being like, Hi, I'm Zuko, son of the Fire Lord. Oh. And if you don't, everyone else will. Who are you? I am Katara, the last of the Southern Water, water tribe. tribe. The last waterbender of the Southern Water Tribe. I'm like... If I Why? was Zuko in that moment, I would have been like, I j- just asked for your name. I didn't need your backstory. Also, the fight Not that, that you got we, one. Also, we don't see the fights. We just see the aftermath. Yeah. It, like. There's no time. There's no time. Amy. No, we have to get to the next point. Like, no, nothing makes sense. You have no time to actually care about anything. And the movie does not care about itself or you. Yeah, I just felt. So numb. How do you make me not care about Appa? By going from point A to point B to point C to point D till we get all the way to point season one finale. (laughs) Yep. I was wondering with the pace they were going, if this movie was just book one or if it was going to be like all three books shoved into (laughs) this movie. No, I could tell that there, there were plans to do it. Um, a trilogy, because everyone likes oh, a trilogy. Oh, you mean because we see Azula for the last second? Yeah. Dun-dun-dun. Also, why is Fire Lord Ozai Roman Caesar? Like, why is he Caesar? We should tell it. Just stab Caesar! Oh, we need to talk about how the movie, or like Netflix itself, gave up on us. Because Ong 
at one point it was like his dialogue was i have to stop and then the movie froze for a little bit yep it was netflix being like i have to stop like please i need a break it's the first time i've actively seen you go into netflix settings and dislike something oh yeah i was like oh i need to make sure i thumbs down yep i didn't want to do it before i saw it even though i knew i would but yeah so in summary avatar the last airbender the animated series Yay! Yay! What movie? <laughs> it was so, like you were getting visibly frustrated. I was just like, I, I know, but like after we watched it, I just like collapsed. Yeah, she literally did. She just she just curled up in her unicorn robe and just did not move. Yep. <laughs> it broke my heart, my soul. You broke Amy, the last Airbender. Ugh. I see now why M. Night Shyamalan got the the reputation he did after that movie. But I don't know how much was him, how much was the executives, how much was whatever. But dude. Anyway, that... And to wrap it all around, that shows that even seeing something like that cannot detract from the power and coolness of the show no it cannot and it means that next on our list is for casey to watch legend of Korra. yep yay hey. we did it we did it we revealed the, the avatar <laughs> thank you guys so much for watching this has been talk nerdy to me baby where we ooh, talk ooh, to ooh, you ooh. every tuesday at 7 a.m ooh, ooh, ooh. pacific standard time ooh, ooh. yes what kind of bender are you don't know what are you? I'm a fart bender. <laughs> yep. Why don't you guys tell us what kind of benders you are or what benders you think that we are when you talk to us online across the interwebs where I am at Amory by the Sea on every social medias. I am Casey Crusader on all of the things. And we will talk to you again next Tuesday. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.